Good morning, all. Welcome, excuse me, welcome to everyone. We're glad that you're here today. It's uh, good to share this time with you. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, I certainly, certainly did. I put on a couple of pounds here, and so I'll be repenting from that soon. Uh, but we're glad that you are here with us this morning and hope that God will bless you in a very special way as we worship God together. We welcome our guests especially today and, and hope that you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship God this morning. Let me remind everyone of the, uh, our attendance sheet on each row. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, take those uh, uh, booklets there and fill those out so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. If you would do that, we would certainly appreciate it. Just a few announcements I'd like to um, call to your attention this morning. First of all, our upperclassmen group will be going to the Wrights Home and Museum on Thursday. And uh, so we, we hope that you can be a part of that. Just join us. Uh, everyone is welcome to, to come. We will be meeting here at the church at 1030 uh, Thursday morning. And we'll go over there and, and tour the uh, the Wrights Home and then have lunch somewhere in Evansville. I'm not sure where we're, we'll be eating, but... Uh, That'll be uh, on Thursday. Also on Sunday, uh, this coming Sunday, ne- next week, the Alice P. Taylor uh, musical program will be held at first at uh, St. Paul's Episcopal Church, and that will be at 4 o'clock. And then the week after that, on December the 10th, uh, we will be hosting a candlelight Christmas, which will feature the joint choirs of uh, Community Baptist Church and St. Paul's Episcopal Church and First Christian Church, and they're working hard on that, and so we hope that you can join us for that also on December the 10th at 5 o'clock. Now, I think Christine has uh, an announcement that she would like to make, so Christine. Uh, Vicki Jenkins asked me if I would remind you, uh, December 9th this year, on that Saturday, that's when we're going to deliver goodies to our shut-ins. So if you can uh, make cookies or candy or cupcakes, whatever you want to bring, have it here to the church. Uh, I'm just winging this. About 9, by 9 that morning. Uh, we'll put trays together, and then if you can stay and help deliver, that'd be great, too. If you could, you know, maybe take two or three names and go out and help deliver to the shut-ins. And then the next day, December 10th, that evening at 5 o'clock is when our choir is doing their Christmas special, and that will be along with St. Paul's Episcopal and First Christian Church. So we'll have a lot of visitors here that evening. Uh, The choir special starts at 5, and then we're going to have a reception afterwards. So when you're making those cookies or candy for the 9th, maybe you just want to make a double batch and bring that to help out with the reception for the 10th because I believe we're doing appetizers and uh, desserts uh, for that evening. So if you can help with that on the 10th, let Greg Gibson or myself know and we're kind of trying to coordinate that for them too. We're just going to eat, eat, eat. Okay, thank you. You like the way she did that? (laughs) And eat, eat, eat. It is the season, isn't it? We are entering into that time period. We are glad that you're here. Let us stand now and greet each other in the name of the Lord and share the love of Christ with one another.
Let us pray together. Holy God, we come before You acknowledging You as King of our lives and inviting You to reign supreme in our entire world. So often we are tempted to feel as if You are distant and that the arrogant and evil forces that seem to rule our world are truly in charge. You came preaching a kingdom of love, and yet the world is so full of hatred. You call yourself the Prince of Peace, and yet wars and rumors of wars are all around. You came with a promise that your kingdom would bring the wiping away of every tear, the end of suffering and heartache, and yet we seem overwhelmed by the poverty and brokenness that surround us. You came saying that your kingdom has come near, but it seems as if your kingdom has been delayed. And the world you described is fantasy. But we know that it is not, O oh God. And we know that in many ways it is up to us to fulfill your vision. And so teach us, holy God, to have no king but you. Teach us to build the new Jerusalem. Teach us to establish your reign of love in all our living and doing. Make us citizens indeed of your kingdom that is not of this world. And strengthen us and empower us to be salt and light, agents of reconciliation and redemption. We give ourselves entirely to you, O God. Have your way. Be our King. May your kingdom come. May your kingdom come in us. And may your kingdom come through us. In your name we pray. Amen.
moment. Uh, this morning, this morning we are going to present that we're going to the drive to the state fair. And when we we back out our driveways, where does the driver look? Where? Where? That's right. They all look behind him, or they look in the rear view mirror behind him. The driver looks behind to make sure that he doesn't run into anything. That means anything. Ever <laughs> you stay safe. The kids always stay safe, don't they? After you've been on the road for a while, have you asked your mom and dad, when are we going to be there? Kids, do you ever ask your mom and dad that? <laughs> you? You? What? I bet you say, come on, Mom, Dad, we're going to be there, right? <laughs> and sometimes we are so focused on what we be, what we be that we don't enjoy the prison. You know, a lot of time we forget that the most important we spend too much time thinking about what we might have been if only we had done something different. Or we concentrate on what we will be once we grow up and we forget that today was a gift of God. And it will it would be the same same to waste it. We need to remember that yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery. But today is God the present and the gift of God. Will you kids bow down and pray? Dear Lord, we know that you would rather have us thinking about today. Realize it is a very special present. So Lord, we thank you this day for the sunshine, for being able to pray and here in the church and being with the family and being with the kids. Amen.
Please, God, guide me, guard me, and give me your grace. Lord, I am grateful. Amen. Scripture reading will be in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, and 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20 through 26 and 28. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power of dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he hath put all things under his feet and had made him the head over. All thanks for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes to the, to the end when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father. He has destroyed every ruler and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to one who put all things in subjection under him, so that God may be all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Heather for filling in today for uh, for Jika, your usual wonderful job. We're grateful for you. 
And, uh, and I hope that we all realize that uh, the name of Jesus is worthy. And I hope that it is true in all of our lives that He is our all in all. It was one of those events that you um, can never forget, really. A skyscraper was going up, and hundreds of people would pause every day to observe its progress as it reached for the sky there. And, but one day, they wa- as they watched, um, they, a giant metal beam was being raised and to be placed high up on this enormous uh, steel skeleton. But then something terrifying happened. As the girder came near, a worker leaned out from the 16th floor to grab it, and the spectators gasped as he lost his balance and fell. Fortunately, he was able to grab onto the end of the beam, which was being raised uh, with, with both his, his arms and his legs, and he was hanging on for dear life. I would be too, wouldn't you? He was hanging on for dear life, and the, and the ground crew stopped hoisting the beam so that the man could continue to hang on. But the man's weight, situated on one end of the beam, began to tilt the beam to a vertical position, which would surely cause the man to lose his grip and fall. But just then, when all seemed to be lost, something else occurred that seemed almost miraculous to the people below. You see, without a pause, another worker, seeing his friend's predicament, literally leaped through the air and landed on the other end of the beam, and his weight kind of leveled things out a little bit. Both men were safely lowered to the street amidst the applause of the onlookers below. And the moral of that story, of course, is this. It pays to have friends in high places. <laughs> it pays to have friends in high places. Someone who will risk his or her life to save yours. And of course, it pays to have friends in high places, even if they don't risk that much on, on your behalf. I mean, what is it that we say? It's not what you know, it's who you know that really counts. I, I remember when I was a kid... A boy down the street named Randy Pass stole my bicycle. And now, now Randy was a couple of years older than I was, and, and he was much bigger than I was. As a matter of fact, he was a big guy. He, he grew up and, uh, and played professional football for a while. But he had my bicycle. I was a little kid. He had my bicycle, and he wouldn't get it back. He'd get, give it back. And I had no way of getting it back. That, was, that, that is, until my big brother who was six years older than I was. And at the time, he's not anymore, but at the time, he was bigger than Randy Pass. And he politely asked for my bicycle back. And Randy gave it. You know where this is headed, don't you? Thank God that we have a big brother. Thank God that we have a friend in the highest place possible. Today is the last Sunday of the church year. How many of you knew that? A few. (laughs) 
Today is the last Sunday of the church year. The church year begins with Advent, which will start next week when we begin the preparation for the coming of Christ. And then we will celebrate His birth. And then in the next couple of months, we will move through His life and His death and His resurrection, His ascension to be with the Father and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then after those Sundays, uh, we have those Sundays after Pentecost. And now we're about to begin the whole cycle all over again. And today, the last Sunday of the church year is referred to as Christ the King Sunday. And how fitting it is to celebrate all that Christ means to us by recognizing His exalted role at the right hand of God. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come, says Paul in Ephesians. In other words, we have a big brother, or if you will, a friend in the highest place possible. And so today I want us to focus on why Jesus is so important to us and why we celebrate Christ the King Sunday. The first reason that we celebrate Christ as our King is that Christ reveals to us the very nature of God. And He reveals that nature in His teaching as well as in the selfless life that He lived. The Hebrew Bible uses a lot of of beautiful and poetic language to describe the majesty of God. But did you know that according to scholars, Jesus was the first person to actually call God Abba, Father? That word Abba is, is a word of intimacy that can really accurately be translated as Daddy. And so Jesus would pray, Abba, Father, Daddy... Everything is possible for you. Scholars tell us that there is no instance of the use of Abba as an address to God in all of the extensive prayer uh, literature of Judaism. And there's no record of anybody doing that before Jesus. The Hebrew Bible tells us many wonderful things about God, but it never calls God Abba. Only Christ was that audacious. And He taught us to do the same thing. He taught us that God is like a a loving Father who never turns His back on His children. And because Jesus came into the world, we have come to know that God's very nature is love. In his daily study Bible series on the Gospel of John... Dr. William Barclay tells about a young girl who, when she was uh, confronted with some of the more bloodthirsty parts of the Old Testament, she felt that she needed to offer a little defense of God. And what she said was that those, those things happened before God became a Christian. <laughs> well, it, it, it's a little more complicated than that, but I, I like the sentiment And and the truth is that if we could discern in the Old Testament a perfect representation of God's character, then there would be no need for, for Jesus to come into the world, would there? But the representation of God's character in the Old Testament, it's a 
let's confess, folks, it's a mixed bag. You know? In some places we have God as a, as a tender shepherd. But then in other places, God calls for innocent people to be slaughtered. And, and the truth can be confusing to us. But Christ's life and teachings present a different type of God altogether. In the life and death of Jesus Christ, we see agape love, unconditional, never-ending love being lived out in the person of Jesus Christ. And then he, he makes this audacious statement that anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, you don't have to deduce God's nature just from His teachings alone. All you have to do is look at the life of Jesus. I like the way Pastor Ed Marquardt uh, describes Jesus' relationship with with God. He said it was like a University of Minnesota study of identical twins. The twins in this study had been separated at birth, and even though they, they had been separated for 30 or 40 years, they were still alike in a lot of ways. For example, in the ways they, they reacted to smoke, the way they crossed their legs, the kind of toothpaste that they used. One set of twins separated at birth even used the same kind of rare cologne from England. And the, the physiologist who directed this study drew his conclusions by taking readings from their the galvanized skin responses that, that are measured by electrodes attached to their skin. And he found that their reactions to certain stimuli were, uh, were in many instances identical. The twins would lift, listen to a symphony and the measurements on the skin responses were, were just the same. They would hear shocking noises and their brains responded in the exact same way. They had the same genes, the same chromosomes, and after being separated for 30 or 40 years, they were still very much alike. And then Marquardt says that what the Bible is saying to us is that Jesus is identical to the Father. Christ is the same substance of the Father, the same nature. So if you want to know what the Father is like... Look at the Son. And that's the first reason we celebrate Christ the King Sunday. Christ revealed to us the nature of God. But there's another reason that this day is so important to us. You see, in His death on the cross, Christ made it possible for us to have new life. He died so that we might live. Harry Ironside was one of the best-known Bible teachers in America in the early part of the 20th century. One of the favorite stories that he used to tell was about Tsar Nicholas I of Russia. It seems that the Tsar had a good friend who asked him to provide a job for his son. And so the Tsar appointed him as a paymaster for, for the Russian army. But unfortunately, the son had a gambling problem. He lost almost all of the money entrusted to his care. And word came that the auditors were about to, to come and examine his books, and the young man realized that he owed a, a huge debt. 
a debt that he could not pay. So he decided that he would end his own life. Before committing this act, however, he wrote out a a full confession listing all that he had stolen and he ended the confession with these words, a great debt, who can pay? Then he fell asleep, weary from his exertions. Well, late that night, the czar himself paid a surprise visit to the barracks and noticed the light on in the young man's room. And the czar found the young man asleep with the letter of confession next to him. And so the czar read the letter and instantly understood what the young man had done. And then the czar did something quite stunning. He bent over and he wrote one word at the bottom of that letter and he left. When the young man woke up, it was past midnight, and he took up his gun in order to follow through with his plan to end his life. And then he noticed that someone had written something on his suicide note. Beneath those final words, a great debt, who can pay? And that one word was actually a signature, Nicholas. The czar knew what this young man had done, and he was willing to pay the debt himself. A great debt. Who can pay? Nicholas. Ironside said this. He said, resting on the words of his commander-in-chief, the young man fell asleep. And in the morning, a messenger came from the palace with the exact amount that the man owed Only the czar could pay. And the czar did pay. Now we don't understand exactly how Jesus' death on the cross atones for our sins. Different theologians have different theories. But this is what we do know. God's grace and forgiveness are at the very heart of the gospel. God's grace and forgiveness are at the very heart of the gospel. Paul put it like this in 1 Corinthians 15. But Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father. My friends, Christ not only revealed to us the nature of God, but in his death on the cross, Christ also made it possible for us to have new life in him. And so when we stand at the foot of the cross and we look at the hands and the feet which were pierced in our behalf, we know just how much God loves us. And as we look at that, we are led to live for Him. But one more thing needs to be said this morning. Because through the power of God's Holy Spirit... Christ is our constant companion today, right here and now, as we seek to live our lives for God. 
Years ago, Bruce Lawson wrote a very helpful book titled Believe and Belong. In it, he told about one exercise that he used over the years to help people who, who wanted to sur- surrender their lives to Christ or who were struggling with surrendering their lives to Christ. He said for, the, for many years he worked in New York City. And during that time, he would use his office uh, to help people who were struggling with their faith. And sometimes he would suggest that they take a walk with him down to the RCA building on Fifth Avenue. At the entrance of that building is a gigantic statue of Atlas. There it is. There's the statue. He describes the, this portrayal of Atlas as a beautifully proportioned man who, with all of his muscles, is straining to hold the world upon his shoulders. Do you see the strain there? There he is, Larson would say to a struggling friend, the most powerfully built man in the world, and he can barely stand under that burden. Now that's one way to live, he would point out to his companion, trying to carry the world upon your shoulders. Now come with me across the street, he would say. And then Larson would walk them across Fifth Avenue to St. Patrick's Cathedral. And there behind the high altar of that great cathedral is a, is a small shrine of the boy Jesus, perhaps eight or nine years old, and with no effort at, at all. Do you see what he's holding? The world. With no effort at all, he is holding the world in his hand. In Larson's mind, his point was illustrated graphically. We have a choice, he would say. We can carry the world upon our shoulders or we can say, I give up, God. Here's my life. I give my world to you. What a simple but beautiful reminder of a choice that we make every day. We can choose to carry the weight of the world upon our own shoulders or we can choose to yield that burden over to our friend who sits at the right hand of God. Some of, some of you can probably remember when Phil Rizzuto was the record-setting shortstop for the New York Yankees. And we're told that in one game, Rizzuto trotted out to his position at the top of the ninth inning, and they were down nine to nothing. Not exactly the most promising position to be in. And before the inning began, Rizzuto turned away from the batter's box. He didn't want to even look at in that direction. He was, he felt rejected. He felt defeated. And at that moment, as he turned away from the batter's box, he looked out into the outfield and he saw the great Joe DiMaggio out in center field. And immediately Rizzuto said, we're going to win this game. All it took was knowing that Joe DiMaggio was playing center field. All it took was knowing that Joe DiMaggio was on his team and that gave Rizzuto the confidence to play on. Well, folks, guess what? It may sound trite, but I'm going to say it anyway. Jesus is on your team. Jesus is on your team. And knowing that Jesus is on our side, that should surely be enough to make us winners in the game of life. 
We have a champion. We have a big brother. We have a friend in high places who will accompany us into any battle and will help us to carry the, any burden that we may face. And will even give his life for us. So don't give in. Don't give up. After all, you have a friend in the highest place of all, and his name is Jesus. Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Amen. Let's sing together about our friend in a high place, our friend Jesus. Number 409, what a friend we have in Jesus. from this place as those acknowledging the kingship of Jesus Christ our Lord. Leave this place as those who live under the lordship of Christ in your homes, your business, your schools and pleasure from this day forward. Amen.